My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Hello? Hello? <clears throat> Podcast Network Asia. Network Asia. Welcome to Season 2 of the Get Hired Podcast, powered by Podcast Network Asia and Podmetrics. This is where I, Coach Laika Maravilla, will give you tips, tricks, and techniques to help you land your dream job. Whether internship yan, position, or promotion, I'm here to coach you through the entire process. I'm rooting for you, kaya tara, simulan na natin. What does it take to have a career in data? We have a very special guest, Mr. Patrick Meneses, Chief Data and Analytics Officer for MDI Novare, and he will talk to you about what you can do to have a career in this industry, how to succeed, and even how to be a part of this team. That's what we're going to talk about in this new episode. All right, like I promised you guys, we have a very special guest for this episode, someone who knows more about data and the careers that are available to you guys. And uh, before we do that, uh, to shed light on what data really means, what, how important it is in our society, and how you can actually build your own career on top of this emerging, what I would say, emerging thing right now. Let's talk to the one and only Mr. Patrick Meneses. He is the Chief Data and Analytics Officer for MDI Novare. Patrick? Hey, Lika. Thanks for having me on. I'm so excited to share a little bit about my experience, both as an executive as well as a data and analytics professional in today's market. All right. So one of the first things I want to ask is this. You know, um, there has been this resurgence of friends in the geekosphere in the past few days. And one of my favorite characters is Chandler Bing. And um, <laughs> I know we're going to be talking about data, but whenever people tell me that they have a career in data or they're working in data, the one person that comes to my mind is Chandler. Because uh, according to the, to the lore, he works in statistical analysis and data reconfiguration. So I think you belong in about the same field. But the thing is, most of his friends don't know what he does. In fact, in one of the episodes, Rachel was asked that question, what does he do? And she responds with the answer, transponster or something like that. <laughs> so <laughs> just a quick question, Patrick, what is data then? And what um, makes data-driven companies different? Well, I think we can all just clearly say as all friends fanatics that Chandler is the original Zeus and original god of data. Uh, <laughs> as the transcoding processor king of, uh, I believe, of the 90s. You know, it's a great question. What is data for, for the layman's or for folks that uh, mm -hmm. don't really understand it? In fact, let me kind of tell you a quick side story before we get into it. I always tell for the last 20 years, all of my employees, when they say, 
Patrick, how do I explain data to the customers or how do I explain data to people who don't know it? I say, well, I tell you what, why don't you do this exercise? Why don't you explain it to your Lola and Lolo? And if you can articulate it in a way that they understand, uh, then you know you've really actually mastered it. And I think really that's the key. There's so much mystery and awe. You hear all these crazy buzzwords that people get confused with, transcoding, processing, AI, machine learning, uh, mm -hmm. parallel processing. And at the end of the day, data, quite simply said, is data is a tool that helps us solve human problems. And the reason why it has gotten so popular these days is because, frankly, we live in an age where data has become far more accessible to everybody, uh, not just our Lolas and Lolos. I'll be honest with you, my mom's the funniest. When you see her and talk to her about her Korean drama watching habits and her trying to understand why she gets certain promotions on Netflix, whereas my sister or my nieces get different mm -hmm. promotions, that's her asking me about data at the end of the day. So while she hasn't connected the dots, it's still very pervasive and very much there. But really at its most simplest form, data is a means for us as human beings to solve all of our day-to-day -day problems, whether that be at work or whether that be in our home or whether that be about taking care of families. That's what at the heart of what data is uh, today. Yeah, and I completely agree with that. I have a background in psychology. That was actually the degree that I, I, I took up. And psychology is just that. It's data. It's data about behavior and thoughts and things about people. And without data, psychology would just be, you know, a mumbo jumbo of things, the storytelling and a lot of these well, ideas that don't really mm -hmm. have any proof in the real world. So mm -hmm. as much as psychology, if you think about it, explains what data is, data is what makes science viable or mm -hmm. what makes science true. So yeah, data is very important. And I have a bit of a background when it comes to data just because I have been a content creator for the past six years. And when people mm -hmm. ask me for advice when it comes to what content you produce or which topics you cover, well, the instant answer there would be I look at the analytics. I look at data. Mm -hmm. What are th people thinking about, talking about? What do they need? And how can I phrase this that would be meaningful and helpful to my audience? And that is what data is. Now, uh, Patrick, you've been in this industry for a long time. I did a bit of stalking on LinkedIn. I'm quite old, <laughs> yes. Yes, you're correct. I'm quite old. <laughs> no, that, that's Just not kidding. what I was saying. A lot of my listeners are actually fresh grads or employees with just a few years of work experience. And some of them are even thinking about uh, switching careers or, or doing a pivot when it comes to, like, I guess, what we're talking about, emerging markets and new positions that are, are just, well... Um, beyond what they pictured when they took up these degrees. Sure. Um, so my question would be, what are the available careers when it comes to data and data-driven companies such as yours? Uh, quite simply said, all of them. All the jobs that you see in the market, every single one is, is, is and must evolve to become more data-driven. Um, let me tell you a story. I was working for a car company and uh, I was managing a very large data science organization and analytics organization. And my CEO, who I was talking to, said, you know, we, we want you to make sure that everyone in the company has data. And I said, everyone, we have 250,000 people in the company, everyone from factory workers, to people in HR, to people that cleaning the bathrooms, to people cooking the food in the canteen. Everyone says, everyone. And, and so that story really reflects, hopefully for everyone in the audience, that if you're going to do your job, no matter what job you are doing, at the end of the day, it will have to some degree a lot of level of data-driven capacity. 
I think at the end of the day, what the best advice I can give folks when they think about data and their jobs is you're going to be best equipped if you have a penchant to solve problems. I think the one thing about today's generation that I'm seeing really over the last three to five years coming out of college is you guys are best equipped more than any other generation I have seen in the past 20 some years that I've been working to solve problems right off the gate. And that means that you don't have to have a whole lot of years of domain experience. It doesn't, it means you don't have a whole lot of job experience in what you're doing. But when you come out of the gate, you got these tools on your hands that allow you to solve problems. And I think when I reflect back, that is reflective of how you grew up and frankly, how uh, perhaps your parents raised you, right? We, uh, believe it or not, I was, I'm not so old that I, I don't know what video games are. In fact, I used to be a video game developer in my data-driven career. Mm-hmm. And and so I raised a generation of people with the, some of the games that I developed solving problems, except these problems are called video games. And as we know, video games are all about solving the next problem, whether it's scoring more, whether it's beating your opponent, whether it's beating the bad guy or the good guy, whatever it might be. Those are all problem solvings. And so data and problem solving to me, when we think about get hired and the best advice I can give you is no matter what expertise you're in, connect these two dots together and figure out how you can do your job better with more data and how you can solve the right problems for the most meaningful impact for your company and for your role. Mm. Yeah, that's really valuable advice, Patrick. Uh, a lot of people worry about the math of it all, like learning a mm-hmm. new language when you talk about coding. But really, at the end of the day, it's all about that. It's using what you have, the tools you have, the information that you have to its fullest capacity. Now, Patrick, what if there's someone listening to this thinking, oh, I want to be uh, just like Patrick someday. I want to be uh, someone who stands in his shoes with the same position, someone who works as a chief data and analytics officer <laughs> of a company. What do I have to do to get to that point? What is the course that would work best for that? What are the skills that I need to develop? What are the things that I could start working on right now? So first of all, the first advice I give you is shoot higher. <laughs> so while I'm incredibly proud of where I've gotten and the things that I do here at MDI, uh, honestly, at the end of the day, I want you to shoot higher because as technology advances and as the job market advances, so do the capabilities. And therefore, you're better equipped to far f- exceed what you may see of me in June 1st, 2021 and the things that I'm actually doing. By the time you hit the same age in my career, you're going to be doing 10x. So that is hopefully uh, a really great sign. I can't give you a crystal ball, but I can tell you that's absolutely true. Now, here's one of the things to answer this question, Lika, because you talked a little bit about coding. And I want to demystify the world that we're actually Mm -hmm. living in. The way technology is advancing today is so that we can actually code less, not more, believe it or not. The careers, believe it or not, of the deep programmers, people who get hard-coded with Python and R and Java and C-sharp, they're actually, you know what they're developing? They're developing apps that actually do that for you so that in order to code these days, it's drag and drop. So I have uh, a bunch of nephews and nieces uh, that are in, in elementary school in, in, in my family, and most of them are coding already. And they're not coding hard code code, they're dragging and dropping code. And so Technology has sort of evolved itself to say there's no need for coding anymore. You don't need to know all these hard things. All you need to know is understanding how to drag and drop and the concepts of coding, but not actually coding itself. So that's the first demystification. 
If you are, let's say, not a uh, MIS or uh, information systems grad and you think, gosh, how can I be technical? How can I be data driven when I didn't get one of those careers? I got a career in psychology or I got a career in, in, in business or in communications. Well, at the end of the day, let's get the right tools in your hand that don't require you to code. So you mentioned psychologists as a really great example. Psychologists have been using data forever. And I guarantee you, majority of them don't code. They just found a different way to get and access the data to analyze it. And today's world of technologies has become so advanced that what we call non-technical users or business users to say it even more shortly, have the ability to effectively use data in a more meaningful way. And I'm talking even easier than Excel or uh, easier than some of those other tools that you may be typically accustomed to that you think, eh, Excel's still kind of complicated because I don't know formulas. <laughs> well, it's even easier than that these days. We have programs and tools today that will actually tell you, hey, I've looked at your data and I don't know what your business is or what your job is, but here's what the, the story is about that data. So we call that auto ML. There's a capability in a lot of technologies today that are readily available that says, doesn't matter if you're a programmer or not, I'm just going to tell you what your data is actually telling me. You tell me what you want to do next. So there's all these wonderful things available to the market and to mark and available to the people coming out of college today to take advantage of these things. So find out what those tools are or more importantly, watch Lika some more and she'll give you more tips about uh, what some of these tools and how we can put them in your hands for you guys to become masters. Hello, this is Agnes Ravasho, CEO at MDI Novaria Technologies. Come listen to My Digital Impact, where I talk about customer experience obsession with fellow business leaders, about relatable moments on customer excellence, and teachable experiences on customer service. My Digital Impact is available wherever you listen to your podcasts, powered by Podcast Network Asia. Check us out after listening to this one. You know, Patrick, while you were talking, uh, there was a thought that came into my mind. A lot of people get fixated on data as, say, code numbers of technical stuff, science-y stuff. Mm -hmm. But I think one of the, the skills that we also need to talk about is the human touch. Like what you were yeah. talking about is all about problem solving, trying to make things easier for people. And these are things that a lot of people fail to develop in their quest to be like... Uh, the geek god, uh, whether they, when we're talking about <laughs> like their generation or or the classes that they they go to, they kind of lose that human touch or that interaction with other people. So my my question, I know uh, this isn't something this isn't something we planned, but I just want to shoot this question really quickly. What is the role of say communication or uh, soft skills? when it comes to a career in data? Does it matter if you are able to communicate well, if you're able to take instructions, if you're uh, able to pitch an idea to a room? Is that something that could give you a bit of an edge over other people who are competing for positions in this career? Absolutely, that's such a fantastic question. As someone who hires data-driven professionals all day long, I actually don't spend a whole lot of time talking to them about their technical skills. I spend more time talking to them about their soft skills. So you may have all the best data in the world, but if you can't tell a story very well about what that data is actually telling you, then you're certainly not going to be very effective to, let's say, your customer, the CTO, or a marketing officer, or even just someone you're trying to sell to. So 
whether it is verbal skills, whether it is written skills on, you know, drawing out the coolest PowerPoints or in this case, vlogs or whatever your means and mechanism of media is, those soft skills are absolutely, it's, it's, it's actually so important that I'd say that, you know how everyone can use email just naturally? Mm-hmm. No, anyone ever take a certification in email? No, you just know it, right? Somehow that's acquired. These same soft skills now have to be a foundation of the things that you can do. So you can be as technical as you want in the world, but you know, if you're not a good communicator verbally or written, you're probably going to end up working in a basement somewhere, just coding your life away and not talking to a whole lot of people because at the end of the day, they don't trust you to be on the front line to talk about the things that you're doing. And so uh, hopefully you can see from the way that I articulate right now, it's one of the things I love most. And I can tell you that over the 500 plus executives I've probably met in the last decade, very few of those conversations were about code or something technical. They've always been about, again, getting back to it, how am I going to help you, Mr. Customer, solve your problem? How do I help you change the world? How do I help you create a better experience for your customers? And the data just becomes sort of in the background of how I go about doing that. But really, the primary uh, story is around, here's how we go about credibly doing that and how we use data to to execute that overall strategy. So absolutely, uh, don't forget those soft skills. Very, very, very important. Okay, now you, I'm, I'm hoping you're taking notes, guys, because this is expert level advice. And if you want to be part of Patrick's team, again, soft skills are required. But on the other side of this conversation, Patrick, what's something that, say, a, a candidate for a position would present on the first day or the first interaction that would make you say, okay, I like this person, or okay, I'll pick this person for my team? Is there something, whether it's like a skill or just the way that they behave that would give you a clue into whether that person can work with you or not? Yes, absolutely. So for me personally, I like to zero on people's personal experiences or what I call their domain expertise, right? So you're coming out of college and you got a degree and you're probably sitting there looking at your diploma going, what do I do with this thing? And uh, you're trying to understand, okay, I had this whole academic life and then there's this corporate life or there's this professional life. Do those things and this, this, this diploma and this this career that I think I want to get into, how do they align together and how do I go sell Patrick on me and myself? And oh, by the way, he's data, so I need to talk about a lot of technical stuff. That is the worst absolute way at going into an interview. The best thing for me, I'm looking for two things that absolutely has nothing to do with data or anything technical. The two things I'm really looking for is one, ambition. And when I say ambition, I'm looking for a natural passion to care about something. I don't care if if you come to me and you're like, hey, Patrick, I always wanted to get in broadcasting, but here I am trying to land a job for data engineering with you. I'm going to be talking to you probably for a good 25 minutes about what it is you wanted to become a broadcaster about or a vlogger or, or a journalist or whatever that passion was about. Because what I'm actually doing as an engineer is I'm reverse engineering those skills to where a journalism passion mm-hmm. and a data engineer passion align together. And I know I may not make you a journalist, but if you're with me and you're applying, I'm figuring out what are the foundational skills that I can leverage and use, plus also grow you into to make you become a journalist in five or 10 years. But during the next two to three years that you're with me as a data engineer, make you the best darn data engineer you can possibly be. You may not be the best in the world, but you're certainly going to be the best version of you. And so ambition and passion for learning 
is important for me. If I don't see that out of you, I kind of think you're a dead fish, to be honest with you. I kind of <laughs> go, well, this person is sort of lost at sea. And we're all lost at sea a little bit. But if we have a little bit of passion, then it's people like myself, executives, like, oh, he just needs a little bit of towing in the right direction because he already knows what his passion is or she knows what her passion is. And more importantly, she just needs someone to help her organize that. The second thing is about that diploma. You have experience. You have domain expertise. Whether you realize what the value of that is or not, my job is to find out how deep that domain experience is and, again, figure out how I can use it. So, for instance, if you got a degree in accounting, you thought you were going to be a, a CPA, but here you are now talking to me because I'm the first person that's willing to hire you for a data engineering job, uh, I'm just going to be sitting there going, okay, well, what is about accounting that you learned in college? What are you passionate about? What did you like about accounting? What is it about a pro solving pro problem solving in accounting that you like? Again, I'm looking for transferable skills. So I won't say that, and I want to use the caveat, I won't say that every hiring manager here in the Philippines has that same technique. Some are more binary. You're talking to me or someone like me who is very sort of macro focused, looking at big picture. Uh, caution is if you're, you got to size up who you're interviewing with. If that is the person that's just very binary, why didn't you study coding? Why didn't, then you know you can't probably be that assertive. But for someone like me, and I will, people like me will present themselves right at the very beginning when they ask these somewhat abstract questions that don't seem so binary. That's what they're searching for. They're looking for things to qualify you against that maybe you haven't qualified yourself to, that's not written in your resume, but is hidden beneath all of those things that you're trying to portray yourself as. So don't be afraid to think about that when you prepare and be prepared to maybe go a little bit outside the edge, right? Uh, one last example, they can I'll throw it back to you. If you've ever interviewed for a consulting job, they, ask, they like <laughs> to ask you these weird problem solving questions. Mm -hmm. If you're on the ninth floor of a building and there's a fire in rooms one through 10, uh, how do you get to safety, right? Those are those abstract questions that are, that are being asked to think how you think, how you solve problems, how you go about it. And the same technique, except mine isn't as silly, you know, what are you passionate about? If you had to get up in the morning and you had to do something repetitively every single day, what would be that thing that you have a natural ambition for that you wouldn't need that morning coffee to actually get you going? That's the way I, I ask these questions. And so uh, that's my way of just learning a little bit deeper about what you're all about. Those are really valuable insights, Patrick. And I hope that even the people who are hiring managers listening to this can get Hopefully, because we can do a better <laughs> job hiring managers. For sure. Definitely, definitely. Because, you know, of course, we do see the things that are on paper as important, but there's a lot when it comes to team synergy or the way that a person can adapt to a certain culture. Or like what you said, we can't really teach people how to care uh, for their own careers or uh, much less to care for a project that you're handling or a company that you're going to be a part of. So having that, I guess, spark or that flame within you that could get you to do something or participate in a group, uh, just knowing that there's an end goal to all of this is something that's very important. So great, great insights, Patrick. And again, like what he said, he does present himself really well. And he actually does have a couple of episodes under his belt right now. And I know there are more coming up on your very own podcast with MDI Novari. Can you tell us more about that, Patrick? 
Yeah, absolutely. So uh, it's not uh, just by accident that I referred to people coming out of college and getting a degree that has nothing to do with what they do in their career because coming out of college back in their earlier 90s, um, <laughs> I, I actually didn't want to be a programmer or work in data because I honestly didn't even know what that meant back then. I actually wanted to be a journalist. And so at this stage in my career, I'm really loving the fact that I can manage a podcast. And I know it sounds pretty simple and, and whatnot, but at the end of the day, it really is sort of left brain, right brain. You know, I spend all of my day right brain uh, being pragmatic and logical with a data-driven career, but uh, it's nice to have the podcast because it allows me to be creative. It allows me to share the stories uh, telling that I've always wanted to do in my life. And so again, can't reiterate enough how don't put yourself in a box and think you can only be one thing. You could actually be all the things that you want to be and you'll eventually find that in your career. But the particular topic of this podcast, Lee, and I really appreciate you talking to me about it, is something that's a really personal passion. It's about smart cities. And uh, as a uh, Balak Bayan coming back into the Philippines, I was born and raised outside of the States or outside of the Philippines in the States, and I've moved to the Philippines now. There's one thing I'm absolutely passionate about, and that's improving the uh, the livelihood of every Filipino citizen. And I always say to people, you know, I'm not a typical Filipino because I'm not talented. I, I don't sing. I don't dance. Uh, I'm an okay chef. You know, I don't play musical instruments. <laughs> so I don't have all those skills. But one thing I can do is I'm a technologist and I'm a data nerd. And so those are my tools. Those are my talents. And so if I can in some way use those to improve the Filipino life experience through my podcast, as well as through the technology that I'm delivering, then you bet I'm going to be motivated to do that. That's my natural motivation. That's what I get out of bed for. And that's what I'll mm. hopefully do throughout the rest of my life is invest in that. So come check me out on Spotify. I've got some legit stats <laughs> and hopefully you'll get a laugh. I like to have fun and not just talk about nerdy stuff or technical stuff. Mm. I actually uh, really enjoy meeting some of the most interesting people we have here in the Philippines that is also contributing and also helping us to build a better life for Filipinos. So we don't have to look at uh, politicians all the time and see what they're doing for us. There are many superheroes in the rank and file of society, and uh, I'm just blessed to be able to talk to some of them and share some of their stories. So check us out. Yeah, it's called My Digital Impact. It's on Spotify right now. You can find it. It's also under Podcast Network Asia. And if you want to get started, you can start with episode two. Uh, that is something that I also listened to and it really hooked me. You know, just even this vision of what uh, smart cities, what the Philippines could look like if we all work together and man together and use what we know for good. I think that would be a very beautiful picture in our heads and something to work really hard for so all of us from each sector all of us who are looking for our way in this world i think it's it pays to have that in the back of our head what is the kind of city what's the kind of country that we want to build not just for ourselves but for the next generation so again patrick thank you for for being with us uh today i hope this isn't the last conversation we get to have i think i can learn so much more from you and i'm actually dying to let you peek into my own data and analytics and give me let's do it (laughs) thank you thank you for being here i'm I'm sure a lot of the people who are holding their diplomas and wondering what they could do with what they know now they have a bit of say direction as to where they can go and um, i know that your company is going to be a huge part of that so again thank you for md to mdi novari for making this 
possible this conversation possible thank you Patrick for your time and uh, I guess that's it for now again Get Hired is here to help you hopefully land your dream job and if your dream job is going to be in data please use that data to build a better future alright thanks and we'll talk to you soon The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards... Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.